This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer? Hi, Richard. How are you? <laughs> I am, I have to remind myself that I'm actually fantastic, <laughs> but the world is in a little bit, in a lot of Pain. The world's in a lot of chaos and pain. Um, yeah, and I'm sorry, okay. so sorry to. Uh, I w- and I thought today, and it's funny when I woke up this morning, I thought, oh, I bet Jennifer's going to be really busy with people asking her to help, whatever. Because um, I know you work with law enforcement like thirty percent of your yeah. day. Well, there are several work. clients clients that have you know young adult kids that are over there that are serving in the military, and I had. You know, I've had several questions about how long are they going to be there? Are they coming home? Are there, like, I have another friend that's waiting to get deployed. She's a trauma nurse, and now she might be getting deployed to go there. You know, there's a lot going on right now. And I think that, well, I just like both what we said about grief, you can still be happy and grieve. This is also a situation that we need to take seriously but we need to mimic more love we need to send more love we need to be more love i think we've learned that through all of the people that have ever come to our class all of the stuff that we've been talking about over the past eight years yeah i mean you and i have uh known people that have suffered and had stress like this in the past and it's not that we're mitigating their pain by explaining what goes on or describing what people on the other side say, which is that, you know, we all eventually go home, but that doesn't stop uh, people from experiencing extreme trauma and grief. And those things have to be dealt with and they have to be talked about. And I listen, I know that, you know, people tune in and they hear us having some fun talking to people on the flip side about their journey. And that's kind of also why, uh, you know, we have this, this kind of format where we allow Luana Anders, our moderator on the flip side, or my friend who passed away in 1996 that introduced me and Jennifer put us together and we allow her to have a guest list. Um, unless there's something very specific that we need to ask her about or like, we do sometimes where I'm having a conversation with her, you know, in the middle of the night or in the morning. And then I say, well, and here's what I do. And so if I have somebody that I want to talk to, let's say, I just tell Luana, put this symbol or this or these people in Jennifer's mind. And then I'll know that that person is somebody we're supposed to talk to. You see? Mm-hmm. And so, um, Without well, further, go ahead. First thing that I saw, but it could be because of what we're talking about, was the Star of David. So, I don't okay. Know well, does Luana want us to talk about that? Maybe, yeah, probably. Hold on. And for those of you, here we go. It's Luana. It's Luana, our friend on the flip Luana. side. David. Okay. Hold on. Um. 
they want they do want to discuss how they inter intervene with what's going on in the other side. Okay, please. Lou, how do you want to talk about that? Do you want us to just ask you, like, so what what is coming from the group? Or is there anyone specific who wants to talk about that? Or 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 does the classroom itself just want to weigh in? How do you guys intervene with such trauma? Well, there's she's showing me prayer. They do listen to prayer, you know, to meditation, to prayers, to they have heard people's cries. Um so Luana, if you could tell us, how do you guys process this kind of information on the flip side? We're privy to certain outcomes, but not all outcomes. And she's showing me how when someone passes away, the room's usually full of people that are on the other side that are there to greet the person that's passing over. So they obviously know that somebody's gonna that's gonna cross over. So family members will join you know, and then, or they'll have it, you know, like we've discussed before, how someone that crosses over, uh, you know, they have a soft landing and they take them on a memory tour, you know, memory. Right. Thing. So she was just showing me, she goes, we do, we are privy to certain outcomes, but not all outcomes. And, um, hold on. More hate does not solve what's happening what's been going on for thousands and thousands of thousands years of years. Yeah. I guess um, maybe it's helpful. I don't know. Uh, you know, we, we do this thing where we, we focus on a particular sending place. Energy. Yeah. Sorry. Prayer or sending energy to the places that need it the most. Is the okay. Most well, that's a practical thing to do. I, I was just going to say, because there's, you know, people all over the planet who are suffering trauma and who are leaving in Ukraine and, and all these other places where there are war zones. But what you're saying, Luana, is that we need, if we can focus our prayers or meditations or love towards those people, that's helpful? Towards all the people to soften the hearts of the ones that are doing it and to help the people help the ones that are receiving the hate so let me ask you this luana this topic came up today with a friend of mine and uh we were talking about this particular what's going on and he was he was asking if we had ever interviewed uh somebody who was let's quote unquote like a you know murderer killer terrorist person and I said, you know, I, in general, if I didn't, wouldn't spend five minutes with them on the planet, I don't want to connect with them and what their, you know, journey was. But if I could ask Luana to give us sort of uh, a disconnected version of what is it like for people who cause this kind of tremendous suffering when they cross over? What's their experience? Do they realize that what a mistake they've made or do they realize that but in her words, what would what would she want to say about that? They get to hear everything that they did. And it's the most, like, I went like this, like, loudest noises. Like, everything that they caused the from the trauma from the beginning to the end um, plays back like a loop. Um, we, we've heard that, that people go through a, a life review where they experience firsthand all the trauma they caused other people. Is it something like that? 
Yeah, there's a place for them. Um, wow. They go with like-minded energies. So like so, a way station while they, they are there in that place? And then and, it's compounded. So this person did this, the person that has similar energy or did the similar things, they end up like grouping up and it just, it amplifies everything that they did even then like even more so. So, but to be clear, Luana, you're not, ta is this, is this what people in literature call, you know, purgatory or hell? I mean, is this, because it's not a, a permanent state, is it? Because then people do eventually have a life review. It, you're saying immediately they sort of go to this holding place and who, who right. sort of oversees that? Does it, is it our guides and teachers or? Who's in charge of that place? That's interesting. Hold on. Because <laughs> if, if she's going to say, you know, it's hell and it's Satan and well, you know, that'll disrupt all of what we've been talking about. No, no none of that was mentioned. It was, it's our higher selves. And so, but, but just to clarify what she's saying is that those people that are involved in that kind of frequency or energy once they cross over their immediate reaction is to be corralled or to be put in a group where they find themselves with like energy of that kind of traumatic negativity you're tapping right. your nose meaning correct and so then how do they get out of there or do they or what's the process of getting back home to you know meet their counsel and uh and do a life review they are reviewed for a very long time, it feels like. Okay. So review. Um, it's interesting. It could take several lifetimes for that one review, that one lifetime. Because of all the trauma that it's caused. Um, oh, that's a, okay. That's an interesting point. I mean, because people do ask me often, because we you know, talk about this. You go through a life review and you experience all the trauma. And then what? You know, do you go off? You know and have an adventure and the answer is no your your experience of having that kind of review may last a long time and you know they're showing me like the musician like we've talked to the musicians they're like-minded the actors that we've talked to and you know um they have likeness and energy and so they tend to migrate together you know we always get asked that question like why do you only talk to famous people it's not that because if it was somebody else, I wouldn't know who it was connected to. Well, then also, yeah, like you're saying. all the, I spend all my time talking to people that I don't know, but I have somebody in front of me when I have when I do my work that um, at least I'm able to get information back from to validate it. Yeah. And also because, you know, they're connected to that frequency or that energy or whatever that is. And, you know, we've been fortunate to... Uh, you know, I've had a background in music and um, reviewing musicians around the world and meeting them. And then so when they would show up or I directed Ray Charles in a movie, for example. And so when Ray showed up, he brings a whole theater of people in to talk to us uh, yeah. because he knew everybody and everybody knew him and I knew him, you know. And so the fact that he would even recognize me or my frequency is a little mind bending anyway, because I know when I talk to him, the you know, on the set or off the set, I would always think like, how could he possibly know who I am? But you know, he seemed to, but okay. That being said, Luana, um, 
what else do you want to talk about in terms of this particular? Oh, you showed me standing there and holding hands and um, like, you know, with other people and community is the best way so just like they go when they pass away the people that have done certain things they go with their community right the likeness of energies she's saying we should be doing the same thing here we should be with our like-minded friends and and families and even people we don't even understand we should be united to send the love you know to dump all that love you know and to israel um you should do what you can sending healing. So however that looks for you, everybody has their own way of doing it. Um, some people, she's just showing me, some people pay, you know, pay to have, uh, you know, with money to help. Some people use their talents to help. Some people use their, their wisdom or whatever it is that you, that you can, then you can donate from your life and whatever your, your and mind, your love heart. is Love is free. Love is free. And, and so that's a, a really profound thing to say. So Luana, what you're suggesting, and if I may paraphrase, that when you're when you're thinking about people that are in st struggling and are suffering, if you create a field of love that and send that towards them, however that manifests in your mind, an ocean of love, a sea of love, and into both sides of whatever your whatever your issue is, so that everyone is healed. Is it something like that? Yeah, she actually showed me the way that you go to the waterfall, how you. Oh, yeah, there was a, a, a meditation. It's called the vase meditation, where you imagine yourself standing in a waterfall mm -hmm. and feeling the water pouring on your head. And then in your mind's eye, you open up the top of your head and you let that water come inside of you as if it was healing light. And then when it gets all the way up to the top, if you can just meditate on that, when it gets to the very top of your head, you open up your toes and let all the water out, all the thoughts, good, bad, positive, whatever that is, let that all go, close up the toes and then do it again. And it's this thing of sort of re rinsing and repeating yeah. any negative thoughts or positive thoughts, but the idea of allowing that healing light of the universe, whatever that is, if you can think of it as water. So, and I've even heard, this is very interesting. Our, um, I mean, I was talking to my daughter when she was a very little child and she was talking about how you heal people. And she said, mm -hmm. I said, so what, what do you do? She said, well, you sprinkle healing water in your mind onto people and then you watch it grow. And I thought, okay, well, that's pretty profound you know, for whatever she was, three, um, but... Very, very profound. And also, when you were saying this, you know, instead of locking it up, just know that the energy is good and send it out. So you can envision, that's a great way to envision healing for yourself and for others. You know, Like so water, yeah. Like, because yeah. we all know the properties of water. We know is it as a spray, we know it as snow, we know yeah. it as ice. We know it when we're going to have some while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> that idea 
I mean, I, I did have a, uh, a meditation I did once. Somebody very close to me had pneumonia, and I was in my mind's eye picturing what that looks like inside the chest. And it was like I was looking inside of a, a fireplace, and I could see embers and coals or burning coals. And in my mind's eye, I just thought, well, what, what is it that I can generate as a thought to heal that? And I saw like a light mist of water. And in my mind's eye, I was like blowing that icy mist onto, and as I blew onto the coals, they started to dampen down and then they, and then it turned into snow. So I was like blowing snow. And I, I, all I can say is that about 10 minutes later, I got a call from my dearest friend and she said, I don't know what just happened, but my fever broke. And I thought, amazing. I want to take credit for that, but I can't you know it whatever all i can say is that's the meditation i did i don't know if it's i know it helps people who do the meditation you know this is something we've heard from richard davidson at the university of wisconsin when you meditate on healing somebody else it heals you it changes the shape of your amygdala it allows serotonin release to be better because you're imagining that you're healing them you're picturing this thing of i'm healing my friend and even though there's no real uh, evidence that I'm aware of, there may be, that, that it heals a friend, there is tons of evidence that shows it heals the person doing that literal meditation. So so they've, there's twofold. They've, they've, they've done, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, so it's a twofold answer from Luana, which is yeah. meditate on healing people, sending them love, because not only may it help them on the other side of the world, but it may help the person doing the meditation. Well, it's healing all around. You all, they always say, whatever it is that you want the most, give it away. Right? Peace. Yeah. And it's that it's that energy that that um is magnetic that comes back to you. So that's why they say, you know, be careful with your thoughts. If you're constantly thinking the world's gonna end, like <laughs> send it into your because if you watch the news. And they show it over and over and over again, the same scenes over and over. It gets imprinted in your head. I'm not saying not to watch the news. Of course you should watch, you know, bits and parts. Sure. I've had, I've, you know, I've, I've, I limit myself because it affects me so much. And I know it affects yeah. other people, but I'm not desensitized that way. Like I, I, it really, that can, um, I watch just enough. So I have a target of where to send it. Sure. You've heard yeah. the term doom scrolling, and it's what people, you know, they find themselves doing with social media. They're looking at the negative things that are happening in the world, and they can't. And also, you can argue, well, that's an emotion. They're getting a reaction. They're feeling that emotion, and that's why they continue to be addicted to, to like, whatever. But part of your journey, and, you know, Jennifer put it very nicely, which is before you go to sleep, do a gratitude list of what are I'm you happy you about? So much. It helps me so much to do a gratitude list. I do it when I drive. I do it when I'm at my office. There's so much to be grateful for. I try to focus on that first. You know, I have an office that overlooks the ocean. I am so lucky, you know, and I have wonderful friends that I can play pickleball and golf and, <laughs> and I have events almost every night. <laughs> I know. I am very, very, and a husband who's amazing and two kids who I just want to squeeze I'm very, very fortunate. There's, there's a lot of things to be grateful for. And if you can't find anything, 
the fact that you're breathing. Well, and then also I was thinking about it the other day because I realized if you accomplish something, one thing, a few things during the day, you can point to that. You know, right. as you're going to say, well, I did that thing that I really wanted to do today. Well, I got that out of the way. So that's a form of gratitude. I remember my father used to make a list uh, in a, like a big page diary, and he would have a list of everything that he that happened that day. I mean, the m- most minute things, you know, saw a flower, took a picture of it. That's and then he would put at the end, you know, here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Here's what we're doing. Today. You know, as an architect and an engineer, it helped keep him building in his mind. You know, here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Here's the building I'm going to make tomorrow. You know, so great. I think that's helpful, um, you know, yeah. to pass that along. All right. So, Luana, um, I am going to ask you if we can bring somebody forward to chat with. Sure. And I want you to put it in uh, Jennifer's mind, who I am me, thinking of. Go ahead. Just give, give me a name, a first his name. name. His first name is John. He's okay. no one we've spoken to before. Okay. Uh, he was a scientist. I was so, already yeah. told. I was already told it's no one that I'm going to know. And that's why I just, I work with names. So sure. you know, I, I don't, even though you told me he's a scientist or whatever, I'm still, there's, just give me a second. Hold sure. On. Yep, he's already there. Okay, I was. Was he friends with Hawking's, or it was before Hawking? Correct, his time. Uh, I, I, he's in the same ballpark as Hawking. Not a physicist, but a uh, a researcher and a scientist. Okay. And, and I said his name aloud this morning because I thought, well, you know, let's invite him. Does let me ask him? Does he want to come and talk to us? Yeah. Is there anything with the square root of pi? I know <laughs> the square root of pi. Well, we'll find out. Let's find out because I have a list of questions for him. And maybe as I ask him these questions, uh, it'll become apparent what his journey was, what who this fellow was. So, sir, let me ask you. Um, I did call out your name today. And how does that work that you could hear me call out? Your, was it that you heard me call out your name or did somebody up there in the council? Somebody, and, put, somebody put his name into your head. Okay. And so other people on our in our class, have you are you familiar with what we're doing? He's he's gotten acquainted. He showed me um, um, the guy that wrote the book. That's a, that was a surgeon who, you know who wears a little bow tie, um, have them in my head. Jonas Salk. No, I've had, no. I've had Eber Alexander. Oh yeah. Dr. Alexander. Okay. Very good. Figure out what that, I believe he's trying to discuss like the way that he passed it, like the way that he had his near death experience is similar. It feels like it's similar to what. Okay. He, well, they both went to the same college, Harvard. Um, and but his field and Dr. Alexander was a is a surgeon right. who was a skeptic and after his coma um, realized that life goes on and learned about it and you know wrote a book called Proof of Heaven. Yeah. But John, um, you passed away. I'm looking at your bio here. You passed away in England and you had gone to Harvard and Oberlin and you were a psychiatrist and a professor. You're not talking about John Hopkins. Are you? No, I'm not. Yeah, no, but that's a great, that would be a great person. But his field that he focused on was in um, mental. 
Well, because he was a psychiatrist, but his field that he focused on was um, the same field. We spoke with J. Allen Hynek. I don't know if you remember, but the third close encounters of the third kind. Oh, okay. No. So, so that field. So let me ask you, sir, have you seen J. Allen Hynek since you've been on the flip side? Or is that somebody you know? They had a lot of laughs together. That's what it feels like. Okay. All right, very good. So are you, then are you, are you... They just showed me, like, they showed me Men in Black and, like, they each, like, how the, and you know, the magazine that they would show in Men in Black and how it was all true. <laughs> it's all true. Yeah. You know? So Jennifer uh, doesn't prob- probably remember that we interviewed Jay Allen no, a couple of, couple of times. And recently I did a session with his son, Paul, uh, where we had accessed his father, J. Allen Hynek, who was the guy who invented the term. And J. Allen Hynek was my science teacher, mentor when I was in grade school. So it was very strange that I happened to know the guy. But John is somebody who was very famous in this field. So I want to ask John, have you met any aliens since you've been on the flip side? Let's just ask you that. Go straight to that. <laughs> He's so funny. Um, he just showed me you. He says, yes, I might do anything. <laughs> And then he showed me me. Hold on. True. We are a couple of aliens. We are all aliens in different. He showed me. Okay, you're going way too fast. Hold on. There are different dimensions with people in those different dimensions. So he's showing me like cross, like in some, then he's showing me how they can intercept or they can, they end up coming here when, you know, they get out of their dimension and come here because they're a little bit more sophisticated with the um, time continuum. Um, with time continuum and, and also time travel or traveling from one place to the next? All of it. All, All of it. it. So let me ask you, when you crossed over, was this something you were instantly aware of or did it become slowly? He's just like, I was right. <laughs> I was right. You were right. Okay. Well, let me ask you, I need to, go ahead, um, if you don't mind. I'm sorry to interrupt, but in terms of you studied abductions and there were people that you knew and met who really got you to focus on that aspect of it. Would you just talk about what was happening? Were they really happening or was it some kind of etheric uh, experience or what was what was going on there? They really were abducted. Okay, and but what was the purpose one person was um there was more but he's he's showing showing one focusing on one okay i mean you have that happen he's just showing me that person having a psychotic break so it affected them but but i what my question for you is what was the purpose of that event studying studying like research Okay. They're they're looking at so they just showed me a paleontologist and a um somebody okay, they showed me a paleontologist, they also showed me an archaeologist. So the archaeologist they're showing me in the ground, right? And how they're digging for bones. It's he's sharing with me, he's showing me the set that's just what they were doing. Like we were trying to find yeah. we were trying to find history, they're trying to find what the same thing in their minds. Like yeah. what is Studying, I mean, I don't want to put it this way, but like a zoologist studying an, uh, an animal species or insects or whatever, butterflies. But was the purpose 
was there a per like the one person you're thinking of who had the psychotic break was that particular event did they know that those people what did they incarnate on their planet before were they familiar with them or were these people strangers okay it wasn't random then what was it, it wasn't random then it, then they knew each other and this is the thing and jennifer and i've talked about this before people and then they showed me just they showed me scott who scott to tamble like there's some there's some people that can feel or get visions of what they've been like you know previously he, and so what in, in terms of scott the reason he i think the reason he and correct me if i'm wrong he just they showed me him at the helm of like a, a starship of some sort that showed scott at the helm of a starship yeah are you familiar are you aware that 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 scott's aware of that jennifer yeah i think scott's aware of that i i don't know i don't you know okay well i'm just saying well I, you know in terms of one of the I sessions vaguely, i vaguely remember maybe when i talked to him i saw him there and so I'm being shown that again. Okay, uh, but I would also say uh, that we've I've had a session with somebody who doesn't know Scott, but they saw Scott at the helm of a of a ship, okay. traveling through deep space, and being an explorer and going around the civilizations, and more of an ambassador. Yeah, I'm just laughing because that version of Scott is looking at him like, "What <laughs> rocker dude?" Like, what yeah, Scott has long hair, black fingernails, plays in a band, but he's also a fantastic <laughs> hypnotherapist. One of the best uh, lightbetweenlives.com. Anyway, the but the reason I mentioned this is because talking about people who were abducted, of course, not everyone's the same, but they but doc this this uh psychiatrist John was trying to he had many clients over years, and he at first he thought it was nutty, crazy, but eventually he realized these people are so earnest, they had had these experiences. And the conversation was whether they were physically abducted, their bodies were taken aboard ships, or their etheric bodies were taken aboard ships. So that's my question to John. Was it that their bodies were taken up into the craft, or was it like your etheric body being pulled out of you and while you're still in bed? It's mainly etheric, but some have had their physical bodies taken to be studied. So it depends on who's there doing that and and so then to clarify that the people who do get who meet with uh aliens or ufos in general john do they or is it because they know these people that they've incarnated on their planet before and they're incarnating on this planet and they're like old friends and they've agreed to do the science i they have an agreement but i believe some of them broke the rules like he's showing me that it wasn't as Hey, we agreed to this and everything's right. Like they're not going to be aware of that until they get back home. Well, the people on the planet wouldn't be aware of it. Yes. That's what I mean. Okay. But, but and, I, well, yeah. and the people that are taking them are, are, well, no, not aware, are not aware of it either. No, I understand. And I'm just, but I'm talking about, I, from didn't, the, I didn't understand. So. But I mean, from the alien point of view, let's say quote unquote, these people from other star systems, and there's many who have somehow broken that time space barrier shown up here met up with these people but they sometimes know them because they've they they used to incarnate that's correct you're saying that's correct okay john what do you want to tell people about this research because i'm going to be quoting you 
soon. He wants people to know it's nothing to be afraid of. It's like it's like having a bee and an ant. He showed me a bee and an ant together. It's the same feeling. It's, you know, one might be a little bit bigger and fly and the other one might be in the ground or whatever, but it's, you know, on earth. But they both can commune in the same area. That's brilliant. Is there uh, is there a time that's going to happen in our near future where these ants oh, he, says, he says they've already they're already here okay but i mean will people become aware of this aunt b paradigm aunt b she's from mandy griffith <laughs> um hold on it's not going to be like that for like 200 years where they're gonna i mean there already there are people that do believe that they're walking around you know a yeah, lot more they're already here sure and but, how, but it's not going to get into and just to to allay people's fears people say that the reason they're here is to help humanity is that correct they're they're here because they're curious and they do want to help the future of the planet have you met carl sagan since you've been over there it's like he, he's a butt of his yeah a bud. Okay, very good. Can Carl stop by to say hello? Just two seconds. Hold on. Yes. Carl, we've talked to you before. Jennifer's probably not aware of it. Uh, but Carl, what do you want to tell our audience? Because you're aware of it. You're aware of our conversation. It's in one of our books, Backstage Pass. But Carl, what do you want to tell people vis-a-vis -vis what we're talking about here? This idea that we're all aliens or we're all we all choose to incarnate here or what should people know about what your buddy John is talking about to just keep living your best life the best version of you and stop worrying about everyone else that way just and keep living the best version of your life the best version of you and stop worrying about everybody else hmm it's something that we have no defenses for it's not you know our defenses right now are, is not believing in it that's, <laughs> that's our defense well what do you mean by defenses you're not talking about weaponry or uh or fear of being attacked you're talking about just if we don't believe it then you don't see it i see so yeah. if we could switch that around your best learning is to right drop your defenses so that you can become aware of these people and this journey. All right. Thank you so much. And so I know Jennifer's got to go. Go ahead. There's nothing to be um, like, there's plenty to be afraid of, but not this subject. <laughs> Carl is saying that or John? Both. Oh, okay. John Mack former Pulitzer Prize winning author and uh, scientist from Harvard and Carl Sagan. We appreciate you both stopping by to visit us. And of course, you're always welcome in our class. And Jennifer, thank you for your gifts and your ability to have such an open conversation with somebody you didn't know. You don't know who John Mack is. I know you don't. And that's great because that allows us to ask him questions and hear what he has to say. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in everybody. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Love you. Bye.
This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.